As I said, what a credible opportunity to be outside worshiping God in His creation, with His people, His creation, to celebrate what God is doing in the lives of so many people. And obviously, we're not experiencing the incredible damages and the, uh, the horrific natural disaster we've seen across our nation. We get to sort of rejoice in a different way and see God's nature in a different way. We look at water completely different this morning than the way maybe somebody down south will look at water. And as we meet this morning in the area of southern Texas and around Houston, as I said, is overwhelmed by feet of water, not inches, but feet of water. When you think of 50, 52 inches, that's four feet, four inches. Just go home and take a yardstick and you got to go above the yardstick. Another 14 to 16 inches above that yardstick on your wall just to get a glimpse of what people are living and experiencing right now down south. It's a big storm. But we know this. We know that storms come in many ways, not just rain. This week alone, you received a prayer email. And in that prayer email, we were told and asked to pray for Jamie Powers' grandpa as he went into an emergency surgery. In that same email, we were reminded of Julie Borden for her brother-in-law, Tim Nortley, and what's going on in his life with plugged arteries and failing health. And in that same email, we were reminded of Shane and Sarah Tanner that Landon had been diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And we've been reminded to continue to pray for Xavier and just being newly diagnosed with juvenile diabetes. And whatever the prayer request that came in those emails, along with other emails previously in the, in the weeks before, in the days before, to us, those are storms. And even though it's not rain, it's still a storm. And it may not be a tornado, but it's still a storm. And maybe for some of you, it's not even that. Maybe it's a simple injury. Maybe it's a loss financially. Maybe it's a position loss in a job situation. And in your life right now, Nat, it seems like a terrible season, doesn't it? Like a hurricane hit your emotions and we cry out. And it reminds us with, you can just imagine if this was the lake that Jesus was on with his disciples. And they're out in their boat. And the storm came upon that boat. And it shook them and it rocked them. And as Jesus walked out on the water to them, they were scared. And then in another story when... Jesus was actually in the boat with them sleeping, and another storm came. In both situations, the storm and the waves and everything that was going on around them scared them. In Matthew 14, 30, it says this, But when Jesus saw the strength of the, or when Peter saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid, and he began to cry out, Lord, save me. And there's a lot of times I think we feel like Peter, don't we? When the storms of life are hitting us and we feel like we're just sinking in life emotionally, maybe physically, maybe spiritually. And we, we just cry out to God and say, Lord, save me. And we want his help so desperately. Matthew 14, 31 to 33 continues on by saying, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed Peter. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And the disciples worshipped him. And they said, you really are the son of God, they exclaimed. I love that story because it reminds me, God can calm 
the raging sea. Amen? Isn't that a good thing? Because a lot of times in our lives, we look around in the storms saying, God, calm the storm. God, calm the storm. And maybe God doesn't calm that storm in that moment, but he calms you. He has the power to calm the storm, but sometimes he says, I'm not going to calm the storm right now. I'm just going to calm you, and I'm going to give you my peace. And we need that. I was reading in Psalm 69 this past week. It's a, it's a messianic psalm, which means it's of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and focuses on him. And seven of those 36 verses are actually repeated throughout the New Testament. And there's a pattern of a lament, and then there's of crying and out, and then an appeal to help from God. It's a classic lament. And the psalmist is overwhelmed. And I want to read this psalm to you because as I read this psalm a week ago, it reminded me so much of those in southern Texas. Listen carefully. Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I'm in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Those who hate me without cause outnumber the hairs of my head. Many enemies try to destroy me with lies, demanding that I give back what I did not steal. Oh God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. Don't let those who trust in you be ashamed because of me. O sovereign Lord of heaven's armies, don't let me cause them to be humiliated, O God of Israel. For I endure insults for your sake. Humiliation is written all over my face. Even my own brothers pretend they don't know me. They treat me like a stranger. Passion for your house has consumed me. And the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. When I weep and fast, they scoff at me. They make fun of me. When I dress in burlap to show sorrow, they make fun of me. I am the favorite topic of town gossip. And even the drunks sing about me. But I keep praying to you, Lord. Hoping this time will show, fa- show me favor. In your unfailing love, O God, answer my prayer with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me and pull me from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. Answer my prayers, O Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful. Take care of me, for your mercy is so plentiful. Don't hide from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I'm in deep trouble. Come and redeem me. Free me from my enemies. The psalmist continues in verses 19 through 21 with another lament. Followed in the verses 22 to 28 with another plea for help. Then in verse 29 we read the conclusion followed by an invitation to worship God. After all this crying out, I'm in floodwaters. I'm up to my neck. Lord, save me. Rescue me. I am deep, dire, and mud. Save me, O God. After all this, this is what he says in verse 29. I'm suffering and I'm in pain. Rescue me, O God, by your saving power. Then I will praise God's name with singing. I will honor him with thanksgiving. For this will please the Lord more than sacrificing cattle, more than presenting a bull with its horns and hooves. The humble will see their God at work and be glad. 
Let's all who seek God be encouraged. For the Lord hears the cries of the needy. Let me read that again. For the Lord hears the cries of the needy. He does not despise his imprisoned people. Praise him, O heaven and earth, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Jerusalem and rebuild the towns of Judah. His people will live there and settle in the land. The descendants of those who obey him will inherit the land. And those who love him will live there in safety. What an incredible psalm. I encourage you to go back and read that sometime. But as I read that, it reminds me again that in the midst of storms, God is here. In the midst of storms, God is here. And the greatest storm in our life, listen please, the greatest storm in our life is not a hurricane. The greatest storm in our life is not a fire. The greatest storm in our life is not sickness. The greatest storm in our life is not your favorite team losing. The greatest storm in our life is sin and death and separation from God eternally. That's the greatest sin. And only sin can keep us from a relationship with a holy and just God. Only sin can do that. And only sin separates us from an eternal home in the presence of God. Listen carefully. And only God can rescue us from that sin. Amen? Isn't it good to know that God can rescue us from that greatest storm? Cry out to God. Ask God to rescue you. Ask God to forgive you. He will hear your cry. And even if your cry isn't a shout and it's just a whisper, help me, God. He will save you. He'll save you from your sins. He alone is a God who saves. You know, this morning we are going to witness 24, and as I said, possibly more. They're going to walk into 52 inches of water. But these 52 inches not destructive, but a beautiful picture of new life. And this water symbolizes how God rescues us and gives us new life. And that is an amazing thing. For those of us who were baptized at a young age, I've shared my story with you before, and I'm not going to share it again, but you think back to when you were a young age and you were baptized. Or maybe you were baptized as an adult. You may remember various things about that moment. And speaking as one who was baptized and had baptized and had the honor of baptizing so many others, it seems that we can easily remember simple facts and maybe insignificant blunders of a baptism when something goes bad. But do we remember what spiritually took place that day? Have we really asked, what is baptism, or do we just do it out of spiritual duty? Well, I guess I should get baptized. For those who call themselves Christians, for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, we are professing that we've confessed with our mouth that we are sinners. And we are professing that we have repented, we've turned away from our sin, and we've asked God to forgive us. We confess that we need a Savior from our sinful life and that we have been drowning in a life of bad choices and mistakes and we can't save ourselves in those sinful moments. Only God can rescue us. And we need a Lord 
not just a Savior, but also a Lord who will then guide us and lead us every step of the way from there on out. Because we just can't seem to always make those right choices. We need Him. Your baptism is a demonstration of how God cleanses our soul. And it's a way to link us to be part of a community of faith. So many of you here this morning have declared that Jesus Christ is your Savior and you've confessed your sins and you've maybe been baptized as well and you've publicly proclaimed that faith and baptism. And this morning through taking of communion as well. When we ask for forgiveness, we admit our wrongdoings to Holy God. And then we turn from those actions. We do life differently. Church, we're changed. We're different. By God's grace, we're saved and we're given His very own Spirit to live in us, to help us live this new life. And then we get baptized. And that's a proclamation to everybody about this new life. In some religions, I know it's believed that, well, you've got to get baptized to get into heaven and you need to go through a series of classes and, and that those must be completed and checked off and uh, processed uh, where then you can get everything finalized and then go get baptized. However, we don't read about that anywhere in the Bible. Matter of fact, what we discover is that once people repented, when they confessed their sins, they got baptized right away. Not one of them said, oh, before I baptize, I need to go take that two-hour class. Or some other maybe situation, three hoops to jump through, a couple contracts to sign, and then I can get baptized. In biblical times, we read in Acts 2.41, those who believed and accepted his message were baptized. Acts 18.8 says, many of the people who heard him believed and then were baptized. And this morning, those who are coming up to get baptized are now finally saying, you know what, I've, I've believed, now I want to get baptized. And we've sat down we talked about what it means to get baptized and why we do this. But we learn from God's holy word that baptism doesn't save you. Going into those waters and going under and coming up, professing your faith, doesn't get you into heaven. If baptism is an action, that action is a work. And then we're tempted to think, well, that action saves us. That work that I just did saves us. But we have to be clear and understand that baptism, the action of baptism alone doesn't save us. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved, through faith, not works. Otherwise, we would boast about what we did. So Paul says that works, that effort or act or deed of doing doesn't save us. So if salvation is based on what we do, if that was the case, and if salvation was based on our responsibility to get baptized, then why did God send His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth? Why did Jesus Christ sacrifice His body on the cross? If we can do it on our own, we can't. And that is why God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And that is why Jesus Christ died on that cross for us. Baptism doesn't make you a believer. It demonstrates that you already believe. It's important to understand that baptism is about proclaiming that new life in Christ. 
God will save us if we'll just come to Him in faith. Isn't that a relief? Isn't it good to know that we don't have to fix our lives before we come to Jesus? Because so many of us think that, don't we? Well, I, I'm not going to go to church until I get things right with Jesus. Then, you're, then why go to church? Because you're never going to get it right. As I've said before, that's like saying, I'm not going to go to the doctor until I get better. That's sort of ridiculous, because we need to get to the doctor to get better. And we need to get to Jesus to be saved. Acts 16.30 says this. Then he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with them and all who lived in the household. And even at the hour of that night, the jailer cared for them in their wounds. And then he and everyone in the household were immediately baptized. Isn't that a great story? What do I have to do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's awesome. Let me take care of your, 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 your wounds here. You've been whipped. You've been beaten. Let me, let me take care of that. And let's go get baptized. Because I believe. The question was, what must I do to be saved? And the answer was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the very next step after that was, I want to get baptized now. Faith alone in Jesus saves you. But then we are called to publicly proclaim our faith through baptism. From the book of Acts through today's church, baptism has always been an outward sign of an inward work of God. chapter 2 Acts chapter 2 Peter preaches and again as he was telling people about their sins and the storms in their life somebody cried out in the crowd what must I do to be saved and we hear it again in scripture right and Peter responded repent and be baptized so we look at baptism following our repentance an outward symbol telling others of our repentance and our confession of faith. It proclaims that we're participants with Jesus in his death and resurrection. As you watch those get baptized today, watch them as they stand straight. And then as they go into the water, buried like Jesus Christ, they are resurrected like Jesus Christ, coming out of the water. The action of baptism links us to what Jesus did. It identifies us with Christ and other believers from the past and today. It illustrates new life as a Christian. Romans 6, 4 says, By our baptism then we were buried with him, shared in his death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so also we may live a new life. So we acknowledge this morning, those that are going to come up here to be baptized, we acknowledge this morning that they have said they have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. But for the rest of us, I want to ask you. I've already asked them. I want to ask everybody else here this morning. Have you proclaimed Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord? Do you realize that God is holy and perfect? And that we sinners, we can't save ourselves and have a relationship with Him? Do you realize that? Have you recognized who Jesus is, God's precious and perfect Son who came as that sacrifice to take the penalty so that we could have a relationship with God? 
While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What an incredible statement Paul made in Romans 5.8. Have you repented? Have you confessed your sins to God? Have you asked for forgiveness? John 1.12 says, But all who received him, he gave them right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Have you responded to Jesus Christ in a life of obedience? Those are my questions to you. Have you done those things? Because you're about ready to see people who have done those things. And if you haven't, and you want to pray that this morning, as I pray, go ahead and pray with me. Go ahead and ask our holy and just God to forgive you. Ask Him to take away your sins. He'll forgive you. Ask Him to come into your life. And then if you want to come up with the other 24, join us. This is a big pond. I think we can fit everybody in. And don't worry about what others think. This is between you and God. And I know this. This large crowd here, minus 24, will all be cheering you on. And even the 24 will cheer you on. And our saints that have gone before us that are in heaven are cheering you on. And the angels in God's throne room are cheering you on. And God himself is looking down this morning and saying, yes, those are my children. Thank you for publicly proclaiming that I am your God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an incredible God you are. We thank you again for this morning in this place of beauty, for the hospitality of the Jagirs, for the reminder of you are creator of all things. From vegetation to water to the sun, the sky, to mankind, you are creator of all things. But we are not worshiping your creation this morning. We are worshiping you. God of all things. Our rescuer. Our holy and just God. The one who sees us in our storms. And calms the storms. And gives us peace. But never fails to rescue us. God, I thank you for this morning. God, right now as we prepare for a time of celebration, I ask God that there might be somebody here yet this morning that wants to confess right now to you, to repent of their sins, to turn from the lifestyle they've been living and to change it up, to ask for forgiveness and to seek a new life in you. God, we thank you that we can have this moment right now if there's anyone here this morning that wants to pray right now and ask God to forgive them, go ahead and ask God. He'll forgive you. Ask Him to come into your heart, to change your life, to make you new. Those sins that you're struggling with, God wants to take them. He wants to help you be victorious. Go ahead and surrender to Him. Heavenly Father, thank You for forgiving us. Thank You for giving us new life. For giving us Your Spirit. 
to walk with us every step of the way, never to abandon us, never to leave us alone. God, I thank you for the moment we're going to have now in celebrating new life. In thy precious name we pray. Amen.